I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with me, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. An absolute privilege to be with you once again. And on the back of a famous win up at St James's Park, Newcastle United defeating Manchester United 2-0 in what was a tremendous game. Aaron, after that result, and just in general, how are you doing? Yeah, you know what it is? I was walking home last night from James's Park and I thought, oh, it's Really excited to do the podcast tomorrow. I love doing it when we've got a win to talk about. None of this doom and gloom, none of this slagging the players. Amazing day yesterday, start to finish. And I was saying to you, you know, earlier in the office, everybody I spoke to last week was like, we're going to beat them, we're going to beat them. And I didn't really feel it until before kick-off. And then obviously I started to think, yeah, they could do this, you know. Just a, such a good day. Yeah, I always had faith they could do it. I was I was feeling confident, and then after we spoke to Dan from Manchester Evening News, I was feeling even more <laughs> confident. But I want to start with something that he said on the View from the Opposition podcast, because after speaking to him about Scott McTominay, um, my view from earlier in the week where I said he'd be an excellent signing for Newcastle kind of was eroded away. We know a lot of you guys listening and watching um, didn't agree with me now and when we talked up Scott McTominay. If yesterday Aaron was an audition for Scott McTominay to move to Newcastle United, it wasn't a very good one, and it was tremendous to see Sean Longstaff really put in a shift yesterday. If you're looking for a man of the match, he's, he was definitely in the conversation. Yeah, 100%. He, I think Longstaff and Willick and Bruno both had you know really, really good games. Um, McTominay, just from the first minute, just looked off it. Maybe it was the, the pressure of the audition, knowing that he had to impress um, and I mean Longstaff's definitely been listening to the podcast where we've been saying that he's not as good as McTominay because he was he was really really good really sharp from minute one um, and yeah look I know we're sat here this time last week saying we wouldn't mind McTominay but I don't think he's won anybody over after yesterday It was a, a complete performance there as Graham said that first half was really really something special they were just lacking the goals and I guess at the Newcastle of old, you you would be fearing Manchester United after having a telling off at half-time in the dressing room would come out and just totally change the game. But there was nothing special about that Manchester United uh, performance yesterday. Newcastle United, the better side throughout. And and the fear that was was maybe with some during the half-time interval um, did not become a reality, thankfully. Newcastle got the goal through Joe Willick, then another through Callum Wilson. Were you always confident, Aaron, that the goals would come? Because, you know, after watching the first half, Willick missing two sitters, some good saves from David De Gea. Then in the second half, uh, you know, again, some good saves, uh, one off the woodwork. Were you always confident that the, that the goal would come? 
No, to be completely honest. I think, if I'm being brutally honest, I sat there at half-time thinking, we've seen this film before. We saw it in the Carabao Cup final. We saw it against Liverpool. Lots of chances, not taking them, not being clinical, and it comes back to bite them. I was a little bit more confident when the second half started, and actually Newcastle you know, just picked up from where they left off. Really, you know, still on the front foot. Man United just not, you know, not having a sniff up top. Um, but yeah, I think you know, first half and, and half time, I was sat there thinking, I really hope this isn't, you know, history repeating itself with Newcastle being really, really wasteful because I mean they really were, and then obviously it, it then coming back to bite them. I mean, the first half was just special. It was I mean, chaotic, wasn't it? It was. It was. And just, you know, the way the way they were hitting Manchester United on 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 the count on the speed. Was my night could not handle them, and they should have gone in really two or three goals up. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 now obviously they've won the game. We can talk about how good that first half performance was. I don't think we could be sitting here um, in such good spirits. Obviously had had the goals not come in the second half. But you know, if I asked you to pick out a, a, a top performer from that first half, you, again you could list three or four, five names. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... Alison Maxman had a really slow start of the game and he was trying to cut inside and you know, he was he was maybe looking a little bit predictable. But once he started actually taking it on to his left, you know, actually just trying to get the crosses in rather than cutting back on side, I thought he was, you know, really, really good. Obviously Nelly got that assist for Willock in the first half. Willock as well, I know he missed two chances, but he was getting in the right positions. Murphy and Trippier and Longstaff, all three of them very direct on the right. Um and also, you know, Sven Botman at the back, there was a couple of times, and Dan Byrne as well, especially in the first half, he made Anthony's life so tough. And then actually Rashford got swapped over at the right and he didn't have a, a sniff either. So, as you say, five, six, seven players in, the, in that first half alone, you look at and think, yeah, really, really good performances. Roger says the first 30 minutes were superb football. I feared that couldn't have been kept up for the duration, but it didn't drop by much. And you mentioned there, Dan Byrne, you know, you felt it was a big, big kind of opening 20 minutes for him because he's up against Anthony. We know what a tricky player Anthony is. Um, and really, there was probably only once that Anthony got the better of him. It was a little kind of back heel through the legs of, of Dan Byrne. But that was more because Dan Byrne kind of jumped in. I think when Dan Byrne kind of worked it worked how to defend against Anthony, I just don't dive in. You know, he wants you to come at him. If you sit back and, and 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 make him come towards you, he's not really that good at working his magic from that angle. And like you say, he kept Anthony quiet. And you know, there was a there was a moment he got a good challenge in. You know, the crowd got behind him. I felt the crowd was was really important for Dan Byrne. Yes, not just for Dan Byrne, but I thought particularly for Dan Byrne. You know, just cheering on those challenges, cheering on those clearances when really. I don't think Dan Byrne would have been naive to the fact that maybe Manchester United would have targeted him as the weak link. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Rashford really struggled in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and Ten Hag said, right, we'll come and have a go at, at Byrne. And one thing I will say is that I, I love the fact that you're so close to the pitch when you're in the Newcastle press box because you get to hear and see a lot of things. And Dan Byrne, being closest to us, looked for the first 20 minutes, like he was absolutely blowing. Every time Anthony or Rashford got the ball, he was making these grimacing faces like, I really don't want to chase this player, but I'm going to have to. But he just, he just, as you say, there was maybe once or twice he got caught out, but that tackle to stop Rashford breaking down the right, as you say, got a huge, yeah, amazing uh, defensive work. I thought he was really, really good yesterday. And he also was, the last couple of games and 
everybody's been calling for target and saying it's time to move to you know burn either back to centre back or out the team. He's really, really stepped up when he needed to. Yeah, it, it, and it's great to see that across the pitch. You know, we mentioned their long, long staff stepping up. Murphy's taking his opportunity. It, it's really good to see St. Maxim yesterday taking his opportunity. Obviously, I mean, the big debate about Maxi playing is whether you, you sacrifice some defensive kind of capabilities to play him. I think yesterday we saw another element of this debate because there were times yesterday when. He didn't track back and Dan Byrne was exposed. Thank you for didn't come to any. And there were times yesterday when Joe Willock was telling them, come on, you've got you've got to get back into position. And Eddie Howe a lot of times, yeah. But on the flip side, and this is what I always come to, is that if you make that sacrifice defensively, you need him to do it offensively. And yesterday he did exactly that. It's frustrating because it's not on a consistent basis. Against West Ham, he'll probably have an absolute shock every start. But yesterday was another, you know, th- this is what Maxim can do. It always tends to be against the big sides, mm-hmm. but just reaffirms it. If you're sacrificing that defensive capability, if he performs going forward, then it's not too big of a risk, I guess. Yeah, and it, it's something we were talking about off-air. It's about if you knew you could guarantee those performances from Maxi, those type of showings, twice a month, you'd, you would take it because he's just unplayable on his day. But then you just know as you say that, he just can't do it on a consistent basis. But as you say, his three best performances this season, Manchester City at home, Liverpool at home, Manchester United at home. He loves those games. I mean, he had Dallow on toast yesterday um, throughout. And look, six or seven players now fighting for two spots, down the left, down the right. And Murphy and Maxi are doing very, very well to keep Gordon, Anderson, Jolent and Miggy out the team. Um but they need to do it, you know, consistently. And Chris, you mentioned Miggy there. I've just put Joe's comment. Joe's back in. He's he's a big Miggy fan. He says, who said 2-0 in the Champions League? Here we come. <laughs> I think Joe's referring to his own score prediction last week. Um, but there was a picture of Miggy in his box on a, on Sunday, you know, all smiles. And it was great to see, uh, you know, he's always smiling. It was, it was a nice uh, a nice moment to see. But you, you're right there. There are so many players fighting for... For those positions, we saw glimpses from Anthony Gordon. He was physical in the challenge. He took the ball forward when yeah. Newcastle, you know, relieved pressure. It was a lovely moment when he he was right down that wing. He, he had to chase it down, didn't he? And he, he anticipated the defender making a bit of a whoopsie with it. He did get it in the box, and it's a lovely little ball across the box. Couldn't really do much else with it. And my night at Clare, so we, we're we're seeing glimpses of Anthony Gordon. I'm really excited to see him get a run in the team but by God he's going to have a hard job getting into it isn't he? Yeah well you know it was a question Eddie Howe was asked um, after about you know the options he's got in those positions and he basically said you know in vintage Howe fashion that all these players are one game away from losing their spot really because there's so much competition and it was something that I noticed before the game on Sunday that bench now is looking so strong yesterday Wilson Gordon Joe Linton Anderson all able to come on and change the game. If you go back three, four months when they were suffering with injuries and Isaac and Maxi were out and, you know, Joe Linton was out, that bench looked... I mean, go back to that Chef Wed game. You changed the team and it was just different. Now he's got so many options. Um, but, yeah, look, if you're Joe Linton, if you're Miggy when you're back fit, if you're Wilson, you've got a real, real job in your hands getting back in this team now, which is what you want. Oh, 100%. It means, you know, the training's going to be really interesting. Um, isn't it? Because you're going to have these players having to give their all to to work their way in because we know how doesn't necessarily like to change a, a winning side. You know, we, we I think, 
I don't know, you can correct us if I'm wrong, Aaron, but I certainly expected Joe Linton to start oh, yesterday. At 100%. I mean, there was, there was a few sort of whispers before kick-off that he was going to be dropped, and I thought, no, surely not. He was the one, certainly, you thought was going to come straight back in because of how good he's been. You thought yesterday with no Casemiro, that would have been the perfect game for him to dominate the middle. But fair play to Howe for sticking to his guns. You know, he, he doesn't like to change a women te- a winning team. Sometimes that goes against him. Yesterday, he got it absolutely spot on. My United was so bad. They were, they were, they were. It was so bad. For as good as Newcastle were, and Newcastle were really, really good, taking off in the way, but Manchester United. Look pedestrian. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that the Carabao Cup final came at the wrong time because if that game had been played in December or that game had been played this weekend, I think Newcastle would have had a yeah. real, real chance of beating a Manchester United team that were just going through a really good well, moment. The thing is, I'm going to just show, I mean, I agree, but I mean, they had a real chance of beating them at Wembley. They just didn't manage to step it up. But there were loads of elements that came into play. You know, the form was shocking. You know, I mean, Casemiro was the big the big difference, yeah. isn't he? You know, that game yesterday, not to Newcastle wouldn't have won, but it would have been a lot harder with, yeah. with Casemiro. And you could probably argue a fully fit Marcus Rashford, who, by the way, if he's not made it back to Manchester, someone give Kieran Trippier a ring because he may well still be in his pocket because <laughs> Trippier just did not let him have a sniff, did he? No, he didn't. And, and the, the first 10, 15 minutes, as I mentioned, you know, Rashford was trying, he was getting a bit frustrated. Fantastic moment yesterday when he when he threw his boot off the ground. I love that, that they're just rattling these teams now. Um, but yeah, I was speaking to a, a mate of mine who works for Man United before the game, and he and we we're sort of talking about what we thought was going to happen. And he said Rashford will be, you know, anonymous for eighty minutes, but then he just turns up. And as the game went on and it was still nil nil, I was just thinking, is this going to come true? And is Rashford just going to steal an inch? But you know, fair play to Trippier, he, he had him, he had him all over yesterday. What did you make of? Ten Hag's substitutions, they're a bit, a bit of a strange one, didn't he? He took off two centre-backs and replaced them with two centre-backs and then brought Fred on, defensive midfielder, forward defensive midfielder. It was it was very bizarre. Yeah, it looked a bit all over the shop and there was a lot of changes at once as well when they did defend in a corner. Um, you know, he brought Palestri on, the young one as well, who you know hasn't really had much game time. He was asked about it after the game and he, and he sort of tried to justify it by saying he felt it was the right call, but... Yeah, really weird. But also on that note, you know, I don't, we haven't mentioned it yet. But um, Eddie Howe was asked after the game about he was going to bring three subs on at once: Gordon, Jolin, and Wilson. And then Isaac was going to come off, and then Newcastle went and scored, so he parked the subs. And it was a really, really good answer from Howe because he said sometimes you just need to let the players on the pitch know. That they could be coming off, yeah. It's, so it's it, just a little bit of a. It's scare funny tactic. you should mention that because I've got a clip from Eddie Howe's press conference, yeah. and it might just be the one you're talking about. Let, let me just play it now. Yeah, I think first and foremost, when you enter the football pitch, you want your players to give their all. I say that regularly when I'm when I'm sat here, and it's it's the first thing you look for. Are your team committed? I felt we were. I think mentally we were in a good place. We attacked the game. We wanted the ball in play. We wanted a high intensity game. We wanted a quick game. And delighted with the product. How big a moment is it to take on Manchester United and beat them as 22 shots to six? How big a moment is that for the club? Well, hopefully, it further builds our confidence levels that we can beat anybody, home or away. Um, that's the mentality that we need. We know it's only a small step. We know there's big, big games to come, so we're not getting carried away, but we'll enjoy tonight. Terrific. I thought all three midfielders with Bruno as well were terrific today. Um, 
yeah, Sean goes under the radar for me in terms of getting the recognition his performances deserve. I thought he was really, really good today. Um, Joe will get the headlines because of his goal, but I think his performances have been steadily improving the last few weeks, so uh, really pleased with both those players. George? Just ahead of that first goal, you were about to make three substitutions, weren't you? They were all stripped. Why, why didn't you make them just before that goal came? Well, sometimes you like to leave them there to just give the players that are on the pitch uh, What's the right word? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, maybe a little nudge just to say you could be coming off, so butt your ideas up. Um, so sometimes I like to leave that you know, a little bit in doubt. Um, I'm not saying that's why we scored, but um, I was mulling over what I was going to do, just giving myself a little bit more thinking time. And was Alexander going to come off at that? No comment. Because he then pressed, he then pressed from that, from that short goal kick, and then that was really the moment. I think the, the beauty of the squad when we have everybody fit, so we've got everyone fit at the moment bar Miggy, we have a lot of options, um, a lot of strength. Although we don't have huge numbers, the, the players we do have are, are all good players. I, mean. I think the phrase Eddie Howe was looking for there was kick up the arse, mm-hmm. I think is what he was, was, would have said um, if he was in maybe a different scenario. Let's talk about then the direct reference to Sean Longstaff because we, we all know Eddie Howe very rarely pinpoints an individual player. Mm-hmm. You've you've mentioned it before on this podcast. If he's asked about one player, he'll often go in the position in general. You know, we've got X, Y, Z in that position. They're all brilliant. But he's specifically pinpointing Sean Longstaff. Why? Um, I mean, he did pinpoint Sean Longstaff, but he also did make sure he mentioned Bruno, even though the question was only about Longstaff and Willock. But I think... He went quite strong, though, didn't yeah, he, on yeah, Sean Longstaff? And, and I think the manner of his answer was actually to say that maybe it was aimed at us journalists, maybe it was aimed at the fans a bit, just to sort of give a reminder that Sean Longstaff does go under the radar on this team. He's not flashy. You know, he doesn't do... He does the simple stuff and he really grafts. And I think Eddie Howe is right in what he says, that actually he probably doesn't get the praise he deserves. I, you know... If anybody's listened to this podcast, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, I've backed Sean Longstaff for a while. I think he's been absolutely fantastic this season. He's probably in the conversation for player of the season for me, but he probably won't be given it because, as I say, he just sort of flies under the radar a bit. But his energy, what he brings, I thought yesterday he was absolutely fantastic from minute one. Um, and look, that was, a, that was a big call. If you'd have asked Newcastle fans on Friday... Who does Jolton come in for? I think 80% of them would have said Sean Longstaff. Big call to keep him in, and he, and he justified that decision for me. Mm. Did you say he's going to win? He, he, he would be in the shout for player of the year there? I think for me, if he carries on playing, he, the way he's been playing, he'd be in the conversation for player of the season. Intrigue. And let us know in the comments if you're watching live what you think about that shout. Uh, before we talk more about what Howe had to say, I'm just going to jump into the comments. We've got John here saying, from seemingly nowhere, we now have some strength and depth. Look at our bench yesterday. Graham says, the options are only as good as the performance and credit to them all. The fringe players are stepping up. Joe says, he still thinks Murphy is only a sub, but yes, <laughs> it was great to see Miggy smiling. We've got Stephen saying, uh, Trips was great, made Rashford look like he wasn't playing um and yeah i mean everyone just seems really really happy and of course sam mulliner is back from newcastle fans tv hi lads long time viewer first time commenter not maybe what i'd call you uh, I, I see your lad mctominay had a blinder yesterday 
Aaron? Yeah, look, I'm dreading waking up tomorrow morning knowing that my episode in Newcastle Fans TV is going to come out where I said that he was, you know, better than Longstaff. But look, I'll, I'll still stand by that he's a good player. He had a he had an absolute stinker yesterday, but um, yeah, Longstaff's definitely redeemed himself. He's definitely been listening to the pod. I hope so. Hope hope you're uh, subscribing, Sean. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Johnny says Longstaff's game has improved a lot. His defensive working position is getting much better and he's getting some really good positions going forward. And actually, I think we're seeing that with Joe Willick as well. That's what was lacking. With Bruno, it was just there. But what we're now seeing is Joe Willick and Sean Longstaff both making late runs into the box mm-hmm. and they just need to really take their chances, which is something that's really been lacking. You know, obviously, Joe had a, a few chances yesterday, but I think it was his first Premier League goal since November, if I'm not mistaken, against Chelsea, I think. So yeah, that's screaming, yeah. That's, that's a long time. That's a long time not to be scoring goals. And and someone here has just uh, made, made the comment here. It's, it, it's, it's John saying, I just wish Longstaff and Willick could score more goals. They're brilliant getting in the right areas, but if they can score more, they'll be uh, in the conversation for an England call-up. And I think that's what it is. You know, I've just done a player rating uh, video. It's over on our YouTube channel. And I've given, I think I give Longstaff a seven or an eight. I think I've given him an eight, and I would have given him a nine. But bigger picture, it's a bit like Maxi. You know, we need to see that yeah. week in, week out. And it's easy for me to sit here and say that. But, you know, it, it seems that once every four or five games, you'll have a really good game, and then he'll drop a level. Um, you know, I don't think the last few games he's played all that well. But, you know, against my night, brilliant. Can we see that on a more consistent basis is the only question. Because if we can... And the question over the likes of Mick Tomney, maybe James Ward-Prowse, mm-hmm. on so uh, you know, at, at, you know, at, at the front of the mind. Yeah, look, I think I think the next couple of weeks is really important for him. I think knowing that Newcastle are going to go out and sign a centre midfielder in the summer, there's a lot of pressure now on him to, you know, make sure he keeps his place. He started off brilliantly by keeping Jordan out yesterday, and and you know, justifying the the decision by how. Um, for me, I just think he just offers the perfect balance to Bruno and Willick, who are these, you know, clever, intricate players. Yes, the the graft, but I think Longstaff, you know, really, really compliments being alongside them. Um, they're both getting in really, really good positions. Longstaff, especially, um, not so much yesterday, where it was more Willick yesterday, but they they need to start scoring more, um, especially Willick, given that he's sort of a more attacking player. I think if Willick starts adding goals to his game. He's got to be in the conversation to get in the English squad. Mm. Yeah, fingers crossed he continues to perform well. Lewis says, a Geordie here in Australia and it was definitely worth waking up at 3am for. 
good effort there. Good effort. Christopher says Bruno makes Longstaff and Willick better players, and I suppose over time we will see that, won't we? You know, for we were saying McTominay comes in to maybe replace Longstaff. I don't think we were saying Longstaff leaves the club. It's all about no. squad depth. So, um, so there we have it. Um, what else was Eddie Howe saying? He was talking about confidence uh, and ability. I mean, the win obviously gets Newcastle three points. It gets Newcastle above Manchester United, but the win did not only beat a direct rival, and what that does in terms of deflating Manchester United, but the message it sends out to Spurs tonight against Everton, mm-hmm. to Liverpool, who are having a, a, a time of it, to, to, to Brighton, to Brentford, to those teams in the chasing pack. You know, Newcastle United, they're here to stay, and they mean business. Yeah, definitely, and I think if you, if you sort of zoom out from yesterday as well, what they're doing against the big teams... Taking four points off Manchester United, they've beaten Spurs away, they've beaten Chelsea. They should have got something at Liverpool away. They're 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 proven that they can mix with anybody in this top four race. Um, and I think you you've mentioned it there. I think the deflating aspect of what it's done to Manchester United, who are still fighting on three fronts with the FA Cup and the Europa League, a squad that's looking tired. Um, and they've gone into that away dressing room at full time and had a full-blown inquest with the players while Newcastle United are celebrating. Huge mentally, not just leapfrogging them in the league, but actually getting one up on them mentally. Newcastle now, I mean, the top four race is firmly in their hands now. It's theirs to lose, really, sitting in third place. And anyhow, also mentioned, as you did there, kind of about, about the options, and he's got, you know, he's got good, good players. I mean, that's just... It's just key, isn't it? And the feel-good factor on the training ground, you know, today, tomorrow, going in ahead of West Ham, I'm not sure what the schedule is, but, I mean, it's it just seems like it will be, or it is, an amazing place to, to work. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think the, there was always that worry, wasn't that the national break came at a really bad time again, that just beating, you know, two teams in a row, was it going to sort of stop them in their tracks? It hasn't. And actually, this, you know, this really busy run of games has probably come at a good time. You'd fancy them to go and get some at West Ham on Wednesday, given the form they've been in. Brentford's a bit more tricky, probably, but I mean, they could realistically have Europa League or Europa Conference League qualification sewn up by the end of April if they keep going like this. Absolutely amazing. John says, big shout out to us two centre halves, Botman and Cher were brilliant and didn't give up my United. I didn't give my United sniff and, and, and give us a platform to go on. I'm, I'm worried about Fabian Cher, though. I feel like every week he's getting a head injury. It's ridiculous, it's isn't ridiculous, it? It's ridiculous, isn't it? absolutely ridiculous. It's got to the point now where a player goes down and you can't really see who it is. You think, oh, well, it'll be Cher. It's probably going to be Cher holding his head. Yeah, I said that yesterday when he went down. I think he oh, went down twice, didn't he? He's with, gonna with have, a head He's going to have like a boxer's brain by the time he yeah. returns. Yeah, I mean, on a serious, it, it, makes, yeah. it makes Alan Shearer's point about yeah. having concussion substitutes all the more necessary because he doesn't half get some blows to the head. But absolutely fantastic. And... and Yesterday, someone turned to me. Um, not, not the chance that Cher had late on. It was kind of midway through the second half, though, and he, he drives through and he takes a shot, and I think just goes in the side net, not just wide. And someone turned to me and said, I don't understand why opposition players let Fabian Cher yeah. do that. Because every single season, he will score an absolute worldie from 30 yards because he can hit a ball, he can pass a ball. And still, opposition players just, just back off him. Now, he's already done it this season, hasn't he? Was it Forest at home, early doors, where mm-hmm. he scored that absolute, that sort of carbon copy of the, the Burnley goal? Um, yeah, look, I mean, he could have had he could have had one or two goals yesterday. Obviously, he hit the post um, from that header. He was really, really good yesterday. Botman, for me, was really good. And I think 
so much praise has been given to Bruno and Maxi and Willock for the goal, but actually if you go back and rewind a bit, Man United try and counter-attack and Botman does this perfectly timed tackle from behind that restarts the attack. Um, I thought the full-back four were brilliant yesterday, but Botman, for me, was just was fantastic. Well, on, on Willock's goal, um, I think he's acted to so much oh. praise because he chases the ball down, he forces uh, a, a throw in, Man United panic and, and kick it out. Mm-hmm. And then... It, it kind of goes back and forth, doesn't it? And then I think it's is it Willick or tries to chip it over, yeah, and, and he takes gets it in front of Varane. The yeah. touch yeah. to bring that down because that is a lost ball. That ball, mm-hmm. that that's the end of that move. Really, it should be. He brings it down, perfect touch, and he's only got one thing in his mind: picks out Bruno, and the rest is history. Honestly, that 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 moment he brings it down. You can just see he's just a different, different class of player. Yeah, and and look, it's not just as goal scoring. He's he's proven that he can actually really link the play up really well and I mean we've already seen him play as a 10 earlier in the season and I actually think that role would really suit him I know he's doing really well as a striker as well we've got so many options with him he's he's big but he's skinny but he's somehow strong it's, he's deceptive it's, he's a he's a really really unique player and, and I, I tweeted about it last night I think he's starting to look like a bit of a steal at fifty eight million if I'm being completely honest. He, he looks like a he looks like a bargain at this rate. He's he looks so absolutely good. fantastic. And I think what's really interesting, I mean I suppose the game against West Ham's a little bit different because of the quick turnaround. But if you know, if it was yesterday and then Saturday or Sunday, even though Wilson scored, I don't necessarily think he'd be a be a cert to come back in because Isaac played really well. You know, eight or nine out of ten I would have given him or I have given him in the player ratings. All he didn't do with score. But without him, Newcastle probably wouldn't have won that game, I don't think. And, you know, that is just music to tell you how he is. He's got two strikers. Big moment for Callum Wilson to get a goal. He's really needed that. Glad he got a goal yesterday, especially coming off the bench. I think that'll do his confidence a world of good. I thought he looked good coming on. Um, but again, I think you can't drop Isaac in this form, can you? But that's the beauty. Like I say, they've now got options for a change. Should we listen to Eric Tan Hogg? He wasn't. He wasn't very happy. Go on then. Here's Eric Tan Hogg speaking to reporters after the game. I was um, surprised that we could match uh, the, the determination and the passion of the side of the opponent. And I think you know before when you travel to St James Park to Newcastle, uh, what will be going on, and then especially after we win the cup. And so, if you want to win big games, uh, you have to be mature, and I didn't see that today on the pitch. Why do you think that was? What, do, do you think the players underestimated Newcastle and how much this game might mean to them? No, I don't think they underestimate um, Newcastle. I think they play above their levels uh, because they weren't so eager, uh, but you could expect it. <laughs> if, as I said, they, they lose a big game against us, and of course uh, they were determined to win this game. But then uh, you have to, to match that and you have to be aware of that situation from, from the start. And, yeah, and we didn't. Uh, we didn't enter t- too many times the final third. We didn't enter too many times uh, the box from the opponent. And uh, they could easily come into our box. But what we did well was blocking shots um, for the chances they create. But uh, I think we have, to done, we have to do it much better. All right. Yeah. Uh, look, 
I always have to laugh about such questions because yeah, that is you um, bringing up a story, eh? but yeah, we score uh, in many other games, we do score, um, we create, today definitely we didn't, um, but also in the games where uh, you now refer to two games before, where we did create chances, today we didn't create too many chances, uh, but uh, I know this team has the quality to score goals, um, yeah, today yeah, that was not a good day for us. I'm just wondering if uh, Aaron or one of our listeners can look up the definition of rattled in the dictionary, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would read Eric Tan Hag after Newcastle United beat Manchester United 2-0. I mean, he's absolutely rattled there. Um, I mean, the point about losing the final and wanting revenge, I know it was spoken about a lot in the build-up, but I'm not really sure that it applies because that's gone now. It's gone. You know, beating Manchester United yesterday is not going to bring that final back. It's, I, I, I don't really buy about the whole revenge. I think, you know, the, the focus had to be on beating Manchester United because of the race for the top four. So I'm not buying that. And you can just see, you know, as his team were outplayed, they were dominate, dominated by just a better Newcastle United side. And his demeanour there, we were talking about the bigger picture, about how this impacts the, the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to nip that in the bud, hasn't he? Because if he's gunning about like that all the next few weeks, you know, it plays in Newcastle's hands easily. Yeah, 100%. And I, uh, Eddie Howe actually, you know, what you've just said, Eddie Howe, pretty much agree with yesterday. He was asked, you know, was it about revenge? Was it about making sure you're right at the rounds of the cup final? And Eddie Howe actually said, no, you know, we haven't really been thought about it. It wasn't mentioned this week. The only thing on our mind was making sure we got three points in the Premier League. And I think that that's the way to look at it. Yes, from a fan perspective, you wanted to get payback. But actually, it was more about you know the, the race for the Champions League. Um, is it karma that he's rattled? I think the comments this week were, were so unnecessary from Ten Hag to, to accuse um, Newcastle of this constant time mason. When actually yesterday, from minute one, David De Gea... It was, was again. It, it was, was so. It was so strange. It, it felt to me, and look, I, I don't know if this is true. It felt like Ten Hag was sort of getting my United to do it for like a comedic effect. Do you know what I mean? But like, but what did you gain from it? But but, and then obviously when Nick Pope got a warning, I don't know why he got a warning when he wasn't even time wasting, and then it sort of spilled out on the bench. It just felt like such an unnecessary thing, and obviously we don't have the clip. But anyhow, yesterday was really. He wasn't angry, but after the game, Kieran Kelly asked him about the um, the time-wasting comments and Eddie Howe said, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's absolute nonsense. We want the ball in play. We want to play a high tempo. We do not want to kill the game. And they showed yesterday they didn't. Not at 0-0, not at 1-0, not even at 2-0. They wanted it more. Um, and I do think Ten Hogg's comments this week were just absolute rubbish. Yeah, I just don't get why you were time wasting with like it was like literally six six minutes on the clock. It was, clock. So, it was bizarre. so bizarre. And was it to maybe to get the crowd rattled up? I mean, Which but then, it did work to be fair. But that doesn't they, work they, in my United's they favor, though, does rattled, it? But they were they were they were a lot Angry. more lively. And then when the referee, like you say, spoke to Nick Pope, it was just like, what on earth are you doing? It I was mean, bizarre. the referee, I have to say, and I don't like. You know, having a go at refs, but I, I didn't think he had the best game. I mean, there were well, no boogans in the yeah, game. Yeah, I, I think he. I actually think he <sighs> he managed that really well. There were, there if were, I'm honest. There, I mean, there were a few instances, and I think he set his stall out quite early on. There was a moment when Anthony goes down under a challenge from Dan Byrne. It wasn't a challenge, and he gives a foul. 
Uh, so it wasn't a foul, and he, he gives it. And then two minutes later, the same kind of challenge on Max Maximum. It wasn't a foul, and he gives it. And it's like you've set your stall out now. Any single touch and a player goes down, you're going to have to give free kicks. And I just felt it wasn't the best ones. And that comment to, to Nick put about time wasting, absolutely mm. ludicrous. Um, but yeah, I mean, talking about touchline antics, I mean, we don't usually see anyhow getting all that animated, so he must have clearly been up a height about it. Oh, how... Usually it's Tyndall doing the sort of, you know, the heavy the heavy lifting on the touchline, but actually, as soon as Ten Hag said that he thought the Nick Poe thing was justified, how was over like a shot? And who would have thought it would have been Steve McLaren having to play Peacemaker on the touchline after all these years? But um, yeah, how was how was really, really... Please, somebody brought it up in the presser because he wanted to make it clear that he thought it was just ludicrous what, what Ten Hag had said. And Jacob Murphy making it home with a little tap of his wrist as he, uh, as he walked down the tunnel. And you know what it is? We, we spoke about this when he did it at Southampton. That's the time to do it. You've just started for Newcastle United in a 2 0 win. You've played really well. That's when you do it. Not in the semi final of a Carabao Cup game where it could come back to haunt you. But yeah, I, I thought, yeah, that was a, that was a very yeah, nice I just, I just gonna, Yeah, I'm just going to. I just love Jacob Murphy. He's yeah. just living. And I know you've got Dan Byrne. I know you've got Sean Longstaff, Newcastle fans. But obviously, Murphy is, is, a, is a Newcastle United fan. And maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know the way like he's, he's clearly wearing his heart on his sleeve. But he's just living his best life, isn't he? Oh, he is just, just living, living his best dream. life. Absolutely brilliant. And a lot of people have been a big fan of Jason Tyndall as well for his reaction when Anthony was... Um, wasn't sure whether he needed to get treatment on the pitch or off the pitch. I think it was a challenge from Dan Byrne, wasn't it? He gets a bit winded. Yeah, and he and he was sort of rolling on the pitch and off the pitch. And he sat Tyndall just stood there going, what are you doing? <laughs> Again, it's, 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 it is a very good partnership, Tyndall and Eddie Howe. Now, I've got um, Luke Shaw's comments because Luke Shaw... Again, some utterly bizarre comments from the Manchester United camp. And I, I get it, they're trying to deflect from what a, an awful performance it was. But let's, uh, let, let me read them out and then I'll get your take on them. So, Shaw said, Not good enough. I feel like every time I speak after bad results, I'm always honest. And I think us as a team have to be honest. I do think Newcastle are a very good side, but I don't think they won the game on quality. I think they won it on passion, hunger, desire, attitude. They clearly had a higher motivation than we do. And that can't be possible. I'm not going to read the rest of it because I don't care what else he has to say. But on that, that's a little bit insulting, isn't it? 22 shots and goal for Newcastle to Manchester United 6. Didn't have a, sh- a shot on target in the first half. Thoroughly outplayed from back to front. I mean, what is he on about? No quality? Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was baffling. I think when a Man United team came to St James's Park and played with that little quality... And Newcastle have played so well, I think it was just baffling. I know what you mean, he's trying to deflect. And and his point was that they wanted it more and they just were a bit more eager. Well, they were more eager, but they were also much, much better. They were playing much better football, they defended much better. Just And also, Luke Shaw was probably at fault for both goals. Yeah, he didn't have a good game so, at all. Yeah, just absolutely stuck <laughs> He says that and he goes back in the dressing room and everyone's like, well, to be fair, Luke, awesome, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a little bit your job. fault. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to take responsibility for that, lad. But yeah, I mean, obviously, probably making them substitutions didn't help for, for the Callum Wilson goal. But one thing that I think was notable as well, and someone might come back with me, I haven't checked the stats, so if I'm wrong, come back at us if you like. But the ball seemed to be going into the box a lot more against Manchester United. Than in recent weeks. Yeah, look, first half trip, yeah, and, and Murphy, you know, trying to get as many crosses in. Obviously, Willock and Isaac nearly scored from it. Maxi down the other wing was doing it. Um, Fabian Cher had more touches in the opposition box than Marcus Rashford. 
which just goes to show you sort of how you know how many attacking uh, chances Newcastle had. So yeah, it was a it was a really direct performance. And look, I think that's what Murphy and and Max have been given the last couple of weeks, which is what we want to see. Mm. And Murphy's, you know, he's he's got one thing in mind when he gets down that flank and it's yeah. put the ball in the box. Great to see Trippy as well getting the ball in the box. His, yeah. his set piece delivery has been much better over recent weeks. You know, it, it was a little bit poor leading up to the final. I felt, um, but in recent weeks, well, the last three games, it's been much better. Newcastle need that often. You know, we said, didn't we, a few weeks back, if Newcastle are going to qualify for Champions League football, they need Kieran Trippy to rediscover the form of the early part of the season. Yesterday was a brilliant starting point. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I mentioned Dan Byrne earlier and there was obviously calls for him to be dropped out of the team. There was never going to be such calls for Trippier, but it had been noticed by a lot of fans that, you know, along with Callum Wilson, he was probably suffering a bit since the World Cup. I think the last couple of games, he's been he's been so much better. I think from Wolves onwards, we've seen sort of the old Trippier back. Roger says Trips was back on fire. Great crosses. Let's talk about St James's Park because... We often talk about the crowd and the atmosphere and, of course, we're a little bit biased on this podcast. But yesterday, uh, when we've seen some great atmospheres, we've felt it, you know, this season. But yesterday was something else. From the word go, the moment them surfer flags came up, you know, the first throw-in was cheered, Dan Byrne getting the, you know, the first challenge was cheered. It just felt different. And Man United, you know, I think we're absolutely rattled from the word go. Yeah, I, I, I might go as far as saying it was maybe the best atmosphere of the season. It was certainly up there. Um, and and as I said earlier, I didn't really... I'm usually the most confident person when it comes to Castle. I think they're going to be anybody. But because everyone was so confident this week, I thought, mm, I maybe need to, you know, temper my expectations. But as soon as I got on the ground, the stadium started filling up, the pre-match displays at both ends... I thought, you know what, actually, yeah, I think they could do it. It was really, really good. And and I know we say it a lot and it's such a cliche, but they were the 12th month. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I just think when you're like <laughs> you're an opposition player and you're seeing a throne being being cheered, you must just take a step back and and just go, what the hell have we walked into here? Yeah, look. It's not always like that, but when Newcastle fans get it right like that and they're really in the mood on a, on a sunny afternoon like that, you know, it was like it was very very similar to you know that Arsenal game last season on the night where the game was sort of won really before kick off because you could tell that Arsenal just did not want to be inside that atmosphere and it was a similar yesterday to here as we say and those antics probably played into that because fans were fired up and and there wasn't this little lull in the first half. Um, 
but yeah, really, really good. I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic, and and as well, you know, Isaac and and um, Bruno are two men who know exactly how to harness that. You know, you can just see them every single week, just arms in the air, wanting Newcastle fans to get on the journey with. Not that they need any encouragement, but you know, really important that they've got not just them two, but those two. I'm you know especially going to mention now, just who know how to to use it. Yeah, and that's that's the, that's what I really love about Isaac is when he chases down a ball that's going nowhere and he gets the corner and he pumps his arms up and everyone reacts. It's just brilliant. And also, Bruno, <laughs> Bruno, God love him. If you hadn't have watched the match and you'd just seen the photos after the game and you looked at that Willick celebration, you would have thought Bruno had scored it because he's literally you know what? roaring into the crowd <laughs> when everyone else is hugging each other. I kind of want to go around with him in the supermarket when he finds his favourite pudding and he <laughs> yeah, gands up the fridge. He's like, yeah. come on. Do you know what I mean? I hope he's like that every time. You know, he gands down the news agents and he gets his favourite copy of the, the Chronicle and he's... Because yeah, it is. He's, it, oh, he's it's infectious. It's you just You just get like taken away with it, don't you? Imagine if Newcastle ever win anything. I think he's gonna, <laughs> he's going to combust. Honestly, he's he's just amazing. I mean, when I walked back down into into the the uh, the area yesterday from my seat, one my United fan I heard saying, you know, it was intimidating. I've been to stadiums. He said ninety thousand seat stadiums, and I have seen nothing like that. You do not want to come and play here. That's the message that's getting around. Yeah, I think I think that recently, especially this season, I think. You know, war flags have stepped it up. The atmosphere has been so much better. There's so much demand for tickets now. Um, and I mean, yesterday, just looking around the stadium, my United fans must have been up the top thinking, what the hell? You don't see this at Old Trafford. Um, and it just plays such a difference. And also, I know we say it a lot, but like, players must, opposition must, players must come to Newcastle and think, I would love to play here. I would love to be here. It's a great like, advert, isn't it? Such a great advert. And we say it a lot on this pod, but I, I just want to say it again. War flags do such a good job at making the atmosphere before a game so special. It's such a good advert for the club. Um, just on, 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 on Manchester United, because obviously Newcastle, you would, you know, chasing or trying to now try to keep them from, from third spot. But yesterday, did you see anything from Manchester United? I know you know they haven't got Casemiro. That kind of worries you because you know for many you know they like we did we did the podcast earlier in the week where we didn't even speak about Manchester United in the race for the top four, mm-hmm. and we made that editorial decision just to get a Spurs, a Brighton, and a Liverpool man on the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we and we had a clip from the Manchester United reporter just to get his insight. Two minute clip. The rest of the show was like an hour long. You know, you know. I mean, clearly they they are now in the race to to be still in the top four. But I, I sat there yesterday and thought, you know, if, if teams press them, they're gonna they're gonna get the better of them. And De Gea does not look comfortable having to have the ball at his feet. And it was really strange that they didn't try and change it up because it just played in Newcastle's hands. Yeah, I think it was really weird. There was obviously a Sky Sports poll before the game, and it was asking fans how likely are this team to finish in the top four and Man United was like 93% and I was thinking well yes they're third they're doing really well but I mean you look at that team without Casemiro they just look so different even without Fred dare I say it Fred I think yesterday was probably the man to start Rashford can go missing for you know the majority of the game they're starting Root Veghorst up front 19 games in a row I think he had four passes yesterday you look at that team actually and there's a lot of holes to pick out of it. Add on top of it, as I said, the mental factor of losing yesterday, losing third spot in Newcastle. 
I don't think you need to be as worried as we were about Man United. Adding the fact they've still got an FA Cup and a Europa League run, you know, as I said earlier, it's very much in Newcastle's hands. What'd you say? Some of their defenders are good to be annoyingly fair. Yeah, but they on, couldn't on stop their, Isaac. On their Wilson. day, Varane and, and Martinez and even Luke Shaw, really, really good. But yesterday I thought just none of them none of them right. As you oh. say, Isaac had the measure. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. But I guess, you know, as we're talking about their weaknesses, Eddie Howe will just be focusing on on Newcastle United, big game against West Ham coming up. Yeah, that'll be the focus. And, you know, obviously the Sky cameras were in the dressing room after the game and Eddie Howe would be heard saying, be professional, we've got West Ham on Wednesday. I think that was code for do not go and party on the quayside tonight. Jacob Murphy, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um, very much, they've got a huge week. I mean, all that good work that they did on Sunday can be undone if they don't beat West Ham and Brentford. So, I mean, for Howe, it's just... As you say, he didn't want to talk about the Champions League at all in that post-match presser. And we tried to get it out of him, but he just takes it one game at a time. Do you think it's mentioned away from the cameras? You know what it is? I, I actually don't think Eddie Howe's lying to us when he says he just just takes it a day at a time. I'm sure that the players are talking about it and, and dreaming about it, but Eddie Howe just wants focus. And it was like the Carabao Cup final. They got the final and they had four games and Eddie Howe was like, we're not talking about it. We need to focus on these four Premier League games. And I think it'll be a similar thing now of knowing that you're one game away from actually you know, being back to square one with it. Big game tonight, Spurs versus Everton. Obviously, in terms of who might go down, but obviously more uh, for Newcastle and the race for the, for the top four. How is that one going to go? Um, look, I think if, if the Everton that turned up against Chelsea last week turned up again, they could probably turn Spurs over. It's very, very interesting to see how they're going to react now they don't have that very, very negative of pre- you know, presence of Conte weighing them down. Um, look, if Everton can get a result tonight, perfect weekend for Newcastle. And uh, I, I'm going to ask you about the, the club's finances. Obviously, they came out, the accounts came out a few days back. I just want to quickly get your your take on the on the managerial switches that have happened uh, well, during the game yesterday or just mm-hmm. before. So, obviously, Brendan Rodgers goes then. Graham Potter goes, what have you made of it? Could we see Rafa Benitez back in the dugout sometime soon, do you think? You know what it is? Rafa's been searching for a Prem job for so long and it just feels like the two clubs that are perfect for him are Leicester or West Ham. And I think he might finally have his chance. It would be you know, very typical if, he, if Potter goes and gets it about six hours um, after being after Rodgers was sacked. Um, but yeah, Potter, I mean, it was never going to work. Chelsea looked absolutely awful when they came to St James's Park. Interesting to see who's going to take them over and, you know, come to St James's Park. You wouldn't go anywhere near it, would you? You wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. Not after, you know, what they've done the last year. Very, very good, talented squad, but just such a mismatch. And that owner, you know, you're not going to have any say. I tell you what, right, you look at the way Chelsea have done things, the way they've spent money, who they've spent. Is the manager actually getting a say? And if he is getting a say, how big of a say um, compared to how Newcastle go about things? I mean, it just reaffirms what a good job. Uh, the owners, the scouting team have done everyone working together in cohesion. You know, if it's if there's a playbook on how not to run a club, you could argue Charles here are it. If there's a playbook on how to spend a little bit of money, you could argue Newcastle is definitely it. Yeah, look, and I think the proof's in the pudding. Thirteen managers have left Prem clubs this season, you know, and Newcastle have just gone from strength to strength. And I think you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think. When Eddie Howe first got the job, there was lots of talk about, oh, well, why didn't they go for Gerard or why didn't they go for Emery? You know, perfect decision by the owners. 
Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see because I, I also reckon that even though David Moyes uh, got a win for West Ham, with all these, you know, Potter flying about, could yeah. could David Moyes get the boot and, and you know West Ham make a move? It'd be yeah, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, I was speaking to a West Ham mate of mine the other day, and he says that the football's been object. They love Moyes for what they did in terms of getting them to Europa League, but it's time to go. And and even though they won yesterday, I don't think they were very good. Um, and as you say, there's now managers that can go and, and take them. You know, Rogers, Potter, Nagelsmann, even you know Benitez. There's there's options there for teams like West Ham. I, I guess with um, the way Chelsea are, it, it makes it even more important in the way Liverpool are as well, and Spurs to an extent. You know, these three big teams aren't going to be, you know quiet next season the season no. after you know we know Chelsea are going to spend a lot of money you know we, we imagine the other two teams will my United will strengthen so Newcastle United despite how far ahead of schedule they are they really need to make a count this season don't they I was saying the exact thing to, to the, our colleague Kieran Kelly yesterday that actually they've had no European football this season no distractions and also you're probably never going to get a season like this where Liverpool and Chelsea and to a degree Spurs falter so much you've you've hit the nail on the head they're all going to spend this summer Villa will spend Brighton are, are already you know pretty much fighting up there anyway um, Everton are, are going to be hopefully you know back next season if, if Dice can keep them up so um, that's why it's so important to you know make a count and, and, and reach the top four Someone's just mentioned there about players at Chelsea having massive egos and, and we spoke about this several times haven't we about when that kind of Balance comes towards Newcastle. Um, is that playing a factor at the moment where it seems everyone in that dressing room in Newcastle, egos doesn't seem to be a thing, and if they are, they're, they're in check. Yeah, absolutely. I think every Eddie Howe wanted last summer. He didn't want it, you know anybody to come in and one shatter the wage structure, but two actually come in and think that they're bigger than the club. They needed the right character, and I think what we've seen. I mean, this season you just. You look at that team, and I was watching them celebrate yesterday. I thought, I just love this group of lads. All great lads, no egos, as you say. Um, Everyone got their back. Everybody's know. got each other's backs. They they really do love the club. They're loving the journey. They clearly love and respect Eddie Howe. Um, yeah, it feels like it's just it feels like it's too good. Is it too good? Is it too good to be true? Do you know what? I, you kind of had had that moment yesterday that Newcastle United of old. You're nervous. You're on the edge of your seat thinking it one nil, my night are gonna win this three one. Mm-hmm. But yesterday this the only time I kinda of had that was at half time when you're thinking, like I say, they're gonna get a turn off at half time, they're gonna come out. But after five minutes of the setting off, any fear I had kind of just disappeared and mm-hmm. I never then felt worried that Newcastle United were gonna lose the game when they go one nil up. I never felt they were gonna allow my United back into it. Um and I think I think maybe we're past the stage where, at least for me as a fan, I'm thinking about the old Newcastle. Oh, it's typical old Newcastle, yeah. you know. And you know, this is what Newcastle is now. This yeah. you say it's good, too good to shoot, but this is the truth. This is what Newcastle United are. Yeah, they're they, a good, solid Premier League side, up there out of merit, effort, commitment, and they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah, and I think results like yesterday and getting points at City, beating Spurs, you know, getting points off Arsenal. It's going to do them such confidence, not just for this season, but actually, you know, going forward before they've even started to strengthen. Ramesh asks, "Do you think Newcastle can keep the intensity, uh, high pressure up against West Ham in such a short space of time?" 
Yeah, I think they can. I think yesterday probably took a lot out of them. I think they 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 all pretty much came through unscathed, rather other than Willick, who you know went down. They're not too sure if it's a hamstring issue, whether it's cramp. Um, they've had that you know that warm weather trip in Dubai. They all looked refreshed. Eddie Howe keeps stressing that he he thinks it was a really good trip in terms of their training. I think they should be fine on on Wednesday. Fingers crossed, and we're bringing you live coach of that through our dedicated live blog. Just to finish off the Aaron, the financial accounts came out on Friday. Just explain to us what was in them and, and, and what you what you made of it. Yeah, so these accounts were from um, July 2021 to June 2022. Um, so obviously nine months of the, of the takeover included. Um, it was a £70 million loss for the club, um, which obviously on the face of it looks very, very bad. But actually, you know, a lot of that was down to their um, their very vast spending in the January market um, and also, you know, the improvements that they've made around the club. Um, their turnover was up, which is good. They, you know, their match day and their, and their media income was also up, um, partly due to the fact that it was COVID the year before. Um, but next year and next season, I mean, they've been on TV every week, so they'll get a lot of uh, Sky money. Finishing third, obviously, you know, will we'll go a long way as well. Um, so yeah, on the surface, seventy million pound loss book bar, but actually, you know, Darren Eels has even came out after the accounts and said they're going to continue spending, um, which is obviously a positive sign. What do you think it means going forward? Obviously, a lot of questions about sponsorship. I mean, the sponsorship is going to be huge, isn't it? Yeah. To to build on the success they've had so far. Yeah, the the one thing is clear is that even though you know the first year the Castor deal did quite well financially, they need more sponsorships. They need, you know bigger revenue streams than what they've got at the moment. Um, but look, this is why Peter Silverson has been brought in. You know, this is what Darren Hills is going to try and do in the coming months. So, yeah, they're, they're in really good hands. And it's good to see that, you know, the, the club are in sort of investment mode. They're going to keep spending, um, which is obviously good to see. Fantastic stuff. You can read all Aaron's reports on that over on chroniclelive.co.uk. This has been the Monday show on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. If you're watching live on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Plenty of Newcastle Night content coming your way. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, thank you very much for doing so. We appreciate your support. Hit that like button if you haven't already and leave us a rating and review with some kind words. We do appreciate it. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news and enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>